Hey everybody, this is Jason Daldrell, lead pastor of Gateway Shelbyville. Thanks for checking out our podcast today. God's word is powerful, it's active, it's alive, and it's going to change your world. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you guys tuned in to worship with us at Gateway at Home. I'm incredibly excited about the message the Lord has given me to bring to you today. So whether you're a part of Gateway or maybe you're checking us out from somewhere else, we're so delighted that you're watching and worshiping today. And I want you to get your expectation up because I believe that you're going to encounter God right where you are. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn to Acts chapter 1, we'll be there in just a moment. But as you're turning there, I just want to take a moment to pray and ask God to bless this time that we have together, to believe that he's going to speak to us all in a very unique way that applies to our lives. King Jesus, I just thank you for every person that is watching and worshiping online right now. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just breathe on them, that God, you would move in their lives and their families. If they don't know you, God, I pray, God, that they would surrender their lives to you today. But Lord, I also pray that we as the church, we would be mobilized, we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to step into this next season that you have for us, God. I'm asking for your anointing, the kind of anointing that destroys yokes. God, I'm praying for miracles to happen. I believe that people listening that that have COVID-19 will be healed in the name of Jesus. I believe that people right now who 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 are sick with fear and anxiety, God, they're going to be set free right now in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray that you raise our expectation. Because God, just like the centurion in the Gospels, he said, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. He said, just speak the word and my servant will be made well. God, give us that kind of faith. You said there's no greater faith in all of Israel than that. The kind of faith that says we may be at a distance right now, but I still believe that miracles are going to happen because Jesus is all-powerful. We trust you now with this, Lord. It's your, your name that we pray. And everybody says amen and amen. So last week we, we closed with the disciples encountering the risen Christ, overcoming their, their fear, through a series of events and leading to this moment when, when Jesus would eventually ascend to the Father. But something that was interesting in this is even though they were already in the waiting room trying to figure out where Jesus is, I want to show you some interesting commands that Jesus gives them in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4 it says, And being assembled together with them, he, speaking of Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait but to wait. We're in part two of the waiting room this morning. And I want to subtitle it, Build a Fort. Build a Fort. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, Build a Fort. It goes on in this text to say, But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You, sh- you have heard from me. So in other words, he says, Go wait. I have a promise that you're about to receive, which is what the, the Father said he would give you. So get this, they've been waiting in a room, they've been in this place already terrified, worried about what's going on around them. Does that feel familiar to anyone out there? And Jesus comes on the scene and he's, he's resurrected and he's about to ascend to the Father and he tells them this, he says, wait, what do you mean Jesus? Like, like you showed up, the waiting should be over. Like if I was them, I would have wanted to run out into the world right there and tell everybody about the resurrected Jesus. But he said, wait. And I want you to know that you may be feeling like 
You've encountered Jesus during this quarantine and during this time of of isolation, during this time of, of having to be in your home. And maybe you're wondering, why is this dragging out so much? Because maybe Jesus is speaking a weight in this season. Maybe he wants us to be still. Maybe he wants us to wait longer than we anticipated. Maybe in the waiting, he wants something new to happen in old rooms. Maybe in the waiting, he wants to work inside of us in a new way. You see, when I was a kid, I had a very elaborate imagination. I could make up things on the spot and I could, I could imagine possibilities and things. And, and one of the things I love to do is I love to build a fort. And I would, I would be in the living room and I would take couch cushions and they weren't couch cushions to me. They were boulders. They were building blocks. And then I would go and I would, I would gather the kitchen chairs and, and then I would, I would get some, uh, some, some blankets and, and I would build this fort in my, my living room and my imagination didn't see couch cushions. It didn't see a blanket. It didn't see kitchen chairs. It saw a fort. And I carried this over into when I was a dad. I want to show you a picture right now. The picture you're looking at right now is, this is a photo of me with my two boys Trevin and Samuel, who are amazing and mighty men of God, who I'm so proud of. And in this photo, we, we carried on the tradition of building a fort in our living room. And the thing about this, and the reason I find this significant, is because we have a responsibility to the generations that are coming after us to have an imagination and to see possibilities. And the reason this is so significant is I believe there is a carnal or a worldly imagination. There is a flesh-driven or a lustful imagination. But I also believe there's a sanctified imagination. I believe that there's a way that the Lord can get us to see the possibilities of heaven instead of the limitations of earth. And I believe that when we get really down to it, I believe that a sanctified imagination is a prophetic imagination. And I believe it is through the lens through which faith sees everything. Because Jesus said we don't see things by sight. We see it by faith. Faith opens up a world of possibilities to us. And allows us to see things in ways we've never seen before. I believe some of you, you you need You don't just need this this quarantine to lift because the quarantine isn't causing the issue. It's only revealing the issue. I believe some of you need to build a fort. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor has then lost his mind. He's been shut up in that house with Pastor Sylvia all this time. And they have gone crazy. He is telling me to build a fort in my house. Bro, I ain't building no fort in my house. I need you to listen to me. I need you to hear me. I need you to know what I'm saying beyond what I'm saying. I need you to build a fort. I want to bring your attention to Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 3. I'm going to read this in the New King James. And then I want, to, I want to go over to the Passion Translation. And I want you to hear what it says there too. Because I want to be able to extrapolate every bit of truth from this text. and application for our lives. Jesus says this. He says, Assuredly I say to you. Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the New King James. Powerful text. Listen to what it says in the Passion Translation. Learn this well. In other words, pay attention. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable. I pray you're teachable right now. 
I pray your spirit is open right now. I pray you're saying, Holy Spirit, show me what you need to show me. Teach me what you need to teach me. And learn about heaven's kingdom realm. I love this. With the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. Jesus is saying here, if you can't become like a child, if you, if you can't see the possibilities, if you can't see beyond what you see, if you can't see through the lens of faith, if, if you can't trust me because I'm your father, if you can't jump off the ledge because you know your father's going to catch you, if you can't just trust that I'm going to be there, if you can't just know that I'm building something even when you can't see it, you can't enter in the kingdom. See, Jesus wants you to be able to see through a sanctified, through a prophetic imagination. He wants you to see the possibilities that are out there. He wants you to see the possibilities in the room where you are right now. He wants you to see the possibilities of what it means to be shut up in your house week after week with those you love most. And the thing about it is sometimes we think this is just us. We're the only ones. Why are we having to have this imagination? Why are we having to go through this? But what I want to offer to you is this is the story of the biblical characters of old. This is the story of the saints who come before us. They saw possibilities when others saw limitations. You see, you don't believe me, take this. Just go ahead and take it right there in your house. Just look at your neighbor and go, get ready for this. King David, before he was king, he was a shepherd. And he showed up on the battlefield. And he saw some stones there on, in the brook. And the thing about it is this. Is that he didn't just see a stone, he saw a snapper stone. He didn't just see a stone. He saw the stone that was going to take down a giant. Look at Moses. Moses, he, he's given a staff. All he had was a stick and a stutter. But he didn't just see it as a staff. He saw it as a liberation stick. He had the prophetic insight to see that this was going to be the thing that he takes with him to lead the people of God out of bondage and into freedom and to the very front doorstep of the promised land. You see, Jesus... When he told his disciples, he said, they were needing to pay taxes. Anybody relate? And he said, I want you to go and, and catch a fish. And he said, look in its mouth. And when they looked in the mouth, they saw that there was enough money there to pay the taxes. You see, Jesus didn't just want them to see a fish. He wanted to see there was a harvest in the harvest. And I just believe that God wants us to begin to see things differently than just on surface level. You see, when we moved in here, we didn't just see an empty Walmart building. We saw a kingdom-expanding, life-changing church that's going to impact families in this region and around the world. That's going to see individuals step into their calling and in their promise. We didn't just see this place was empty. We didn't just see aisle seven. We didn't just see the sporting goods section. We saw people coming to Jesus and, and tears streaming down their face and, and people who would be watching us with cameras pointing at us during an epidemic and a pandemic and during a quarantine to let them know that God is with you and that God will never leave you and that God will never forsake you. But you've got to take the blinders off your eyes. You've got to take the blinders off your imagination to say, God, what are the possibilities for me? What are the possibilities for my house? What do you want to do? 
Quit seeing your spouse as a nagging spouse and start seeing them through the prophetic imagination as this is the partner that God has given me to change the world with. Quit seeing your kids as aggravating during this season. But start seeing that this is world changers. These are sons and daughters that are going to prophesy. Can you see the possibilities of this moment? Can your faith rise up and trust that God has something good in this season? See, some of you are missing out on everything that God wants to do in and through you in this season. All you can think about is the urgency the fear, the anxiety, the planning, the uncertainty, the, the monotony of the day and the monotony of the room that you're in. Maybe what seemed like a staycation at first is now feel like a place that's driving you crazy. But what I want to offer to you is there's a reason that Jesus has you in the waiting. There's a purpose for while we're still in the season and we have to discern it and we have to see it. You see, the disciples no doubt felt like they were in a waiting room. This place suspended between what was and what will be. This place between Passover and Pentecost. This place between Jesus leaving and the Holy Spirit coming. They felt like they were waiting in the in-between. And I know many of us can feel this right now. It feels like we're in the waiting. Like, like there was the world before this, this quarantine. And there's the waiting for the expectation of what God is going to do after the quarantine. But what is he doing right now in the waiting? I want to offer to you this morning that God wants you to be able to quit seeing the way you're seeing I'm going to tell you what that may look like. It may look like turning off the news and turning on the word. It may look like you're, you're turning off social media for a season and, and you're going to get along with God in your prayer closet. It, it may look like that you're not just talking about all that you're facing, but you're listening to all that God is trying to communicate to you. Like, like maybe there's a shift that needs to take place inside of us so that he can do everything that he wants to do in us while we're in the waiting room but maybe this maybe God wants us to return to our childlikeness and maybe he wants us to draw from our sanctified imagination maybe he wants us to draw from that prophetic insight to be able to see where we are in a way that is not like we've seen it before maybe he wants to transform the room you're in again I turned a living room into a battlefield and I turned a couch into a fort. What is God wanting you to turn your home into right now? You see, this happened with the disciples. I told you, he, he just told them to go and to wait. But look what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Listen to what Jesus talked to them about for the 40 days that he was with them. He said, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I believe that God wants to turn your waiting room into a classroom because there's something he wants to teach you. There's something he wants to teach me during this season. 
You see, the thing about it, we see this and we go, man, he spent 40 days with them. Man, they were having to wait. Like the same way that, that it, it, when it came to people having a prophetic imagination isn't new. This isn't new for us. We think I'm in quarantine. Nobody's ever been in quarantine. Like, like why is this happening to us? But let me show you this. Moses had a season of waiting. 40 years. Some people lay it out this way. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt thinking he was a somebody. He spent 40 years in the wilderness thinking he was a nobody. And then he spent 40 years leading God's people realizing what God could do with a nobody. And he had these different periods of 40 in his life of waiting. Jesus had 40 days in the wilderness with no food and no water. The disciples had 40 days with Jesus. Noah, when he was on the ark, it was 40 days that he was shut up in the ark. 40 days of waiting. And you say, what's the significance of the 40 days? I want to look at the definition of the word quarantine. And right now, put up on your screen is a screenshot of the definition from Merriam-Webster's dictionary online of the definition of the word quarantine. And you will notice on this, not as like the seventh definition, not way down the list, but the very first definition of the word quarantine is a period of 40 days. A period of 40 days. Let me offer this to you. If we had to go through a quarantine, don't worry because Jesus did too. Don't worry because his disciples did too. Don't worry because Noah did too. Don't worry because other saints of old went through the same exact thing. And what we thought was punishment was preparation. And so I believe that the Lord is working in this season and he's trying to teach us various things about his kingdom. So we have to have the humble posture of teachability. God, what are you trying to teach me in the here and the now? Because I'm going to tell you it was during the most difficult times of my life that the, the teacher showed up to my classroom. You see, it was back in 2008 when we lost everything that we had as a family. I had to move to Jasper, Alabama in with my parents in a four-room house. Not a four-bedroom house, a four-room house. And we were living there. I was sleeping on the floor, not knowing what the future looked like, feeling like God had abandoned me. He, he gave me big dreams and big visions to go out and do these things, and it felt like no one believed in me and nothing was happening. Maybe some of you feel that way, like, God, why am I in this season right now? And that's when the teacher went to work. And I remember I was standing in the backyard one evening and I was crying. I just got off the phone with my father-in-law and I said, I don't understand why God has me here. And I hung up the phone after some encouragement from him and the Lord spoke to me and he said this. He says, I'm not building a ministry. I'm building a man. You see, if I hadn't had that dark night of the soul, I wouldn't be ready for the harvest that he has me walking in right now. But you think, oh, well, you done went through your thing. You done faced your trial. You done faced your tribulation. But let me say this to you. That wasn't the only dark night of the soul. You see, we, we came into this place. The church began to grow rapidly. And I felt like I went through my dry season. I went through my dark night of the soul. I went through my wilderness. And, and I'm coming out, man. The church is growing. God's doing miracles. Amazing things are happening. We, we bought this building. We're moving into Walmart. My God, it's amazing. 
Get the call, my mom's got cancer, she dies eight days later. Get the call, my brother's got cancer, he dies about six months later. God, what's going on? I thought I'm entering into the promise and the inheritance that I had because of the faithfulness I had in the last season. But the teacher came back. And he went to work again. And it was in that season that I discovered that I can't carry myself at times. And that the grace of God will come in at my lowest point, in my brokenness, and he will lift me, and he will carry me, and he will sustain me. I know there's some people watching right now. You lost your job. You don't know how you're going to make rent. You don't know how you're going to take care of your kids. You wonder where God is in all of this. And what I want to tell you is this. I don't understand everything, but I know this. He's good, and he's gracious. And the same God that carried me is the same God that's going to carry you. And don't lose heart. Believe that he's going to show up right here, right now, in your dark night of the soul. You know, the difficult part is this, is when you have a waiting room that becomes a classroom, but you know, you have a teacher that's teaching you, but have you ever noticed the only time the teacher becomes quiet is during a test? And maybe you say, I'm going through this and I can't hear God. It's okay. Just go ahead and start applying everything he's already taught you up to this point. Because you're going to pass the test. You see, God doesn't bring you into something. He hasn't deposited into you what you need to come out of that season. He's going to bring you out. And you're going to pass the test. And you're going to have a testimony. I can promise you that in the name of Jesus right now, as sure as I stand here. Maybe you say, Pastor, it wasn't just a classroom that I needed. And I want you to get this in your home. He not only wants you to reimagine it as a classroom, but I believe he also wants you to reimagine it as a prayer room. He wants you to reimagine your home as a sanctuary, as a place of prayer, because not only does God want to teach you, but he wants to meet you. He wants to meet with you right there. He wants to commune with you. Look what it says in Acts 1.14 again to these disciples who are waiting. It says this. This is what they were doing. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were gathered and they were praying. I want you to hear me with this. Waiting doesn't mean wasting. Waiting doesn't mean wasting. In other words, you may say, I'm waiting on this to get done, but it doesn't mean you've got to waste your time right now. You may say, well, I'm waiting to come out of this season. It doesn't mean that you waste your days right now. And, and this is what I believe. I believe that the Lord wants to meet with us in this season in a way that he has never met with us because we have time on our hand to spend with God. And I believe that there's people that are going to hear this and you're going to literally go in your home and you're going to say, I'm going to build an altar in my home and I'm going to meet with the Lord here. I'm going to commune with him. And I believe that your intercession is going to begin to shake nations because prayer is powerful. You see, we are told to redeem the time. And in the context of that, the word for time is the word kairos. It means that we're not supposed to let moments that can never be replicated pass without our making the fullest and the most of that moment. 
I believe that right now we're in a Kairos moment. This is unprecedented in our lifetime. Hopefully and prayerfully, we never and no other generation ever sees this again. But what are we going to tell as a testimony to our children and grandchildren, to the generations afar off? How are we going to tell them that we managed this COVID-19 crisis? You see, I used to talk with my grandmother a lot about the old days. My grandmother, she passed away some 10 years ago. She was 94 years old. She lived through the Great Depression, and I was fascinated with how she lived through the Great Depression. And I used to pull her aside, and I called her mom. You may think I'm redneck, and that's okay, but don't hate on my mom, you understand? I said, mom, I said, tell me about the Depression. How bad was it? What was it like? And she told me, she said, Jay, she said, we were so poor, we didn't notice a difference. And I was like, what? She's like, we didn't notice any difference. I said, well, what did you do? She said, well, we had a farm and we were sharecroppers. And so out beside the cotton where we used to plant it, we would, my, my mother grew up picking cotton on a farm. And out beside it, she said, we started planting a garden. And then the people that were in need would come up and we'd be able to feed them out of our garden. And so what happened was my grandmother, who had hardly any education, who was a sharecropper with no money, they leveraged what they had through a prophetic imagination, a sanctified imagination, to revisit how they could use their property to make a difference in the people of lives of those around them. You say, well, what does that make a difference? It makes a difference in this. Here we are a couple of generations later, and there's probably people that are in the earth right now that wouldn't be in the earth because their great-grandparents would have passed away during the depression if it hadn't have been for that family down the road that had some vegetables and some fruit and some corn and some squash, cucumbers. My gosh, I'm getting hungry for some food right now. But because they leveraged it, it changed them. What's our testimony going to be? What are they going to say about us? Well, you know, they ate Cheetos, drank Dr. Pepper, and watched Netflix. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying watching some shows. I watch Back to the Future today. But I do want to say this. What are we doing to make a difference in this season? And the greatest difference you can make is by going to the place of prayer. You see, the disciples understood this and they learned this. But also look what it says in the Old Testament because this is something we've got to get. Maybe we're calling this season a season of isolation, but maybe Jesus is calling this a season of intimacy. Maybe he wants to meet with us. Maybe he wants to commune with us. But look what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to this when it comes to prayer. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You see, this is the thing. The prayer for the healing of the land doesn't begin with the lost. It begins with his people. It doesn't begin with the world repenting. It begins with us repenting. It doesn't begin with the world praying. It begins with us praying. We have to call on his name. We can't assume he knows we need it and just think he's going to do it. The Bible says this, you have not because you ask not. We need to be bombarding heaven with intercession 
for this thing to end. And I believe even right now, there are homes that are becoming sanctuaries. There are rooms that are becoming prayer rooms because you understand the significance of this. You see, the disciples faced this as they continued even after Pentecost. When you go to Acts chapter 4, they had been doing miracles in the name of Jesus and great persecution arose against them by Herod. And when you see this takes place, they gather together and look what they did. They knew to do this because Jesus taught them to do this. When trouble came, they didn't try to fix it. When trouble came, they didn't try to figure it out. When trouble came, they knew to pray. Acts 4.31 says this, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see, they were in a place of fearfulness, but they prayed and they were filled with boldness. And I just believe that the people of God, as we go to prayer, we're going to see a boldness rise up for our families and to believe that God is going to do impossible things in situations that surround us. You see, many of us think about God in this way. We think about the God that will meet my needs. We think about the God who will meet my needs. And oh, I believe in him. He does meet my needs. He meets your needs. He's more than enough. We have a God that will meet our needs. But we also have a God that wants to meet with me. It's not just a God who wants to meet your needs. It's a God that wants to meet with you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to spend time with you. And I can tell you this with all honesty. Every single major idea, major direction shifts and callings in my life came in prayer. Because it's in the place of intimacy that into me he will see. He'll begin to speak into my heart. He'll begin to shape my affections. But this is the thing, and I want you to get this. Intimacy requires intentionality. It can't happen on its own. James 4, 8 says this. If I will draw near to God, he'll draw near to me. So maybe your waiting room needs to become a prayer room because he wants to meet with you. What else you got, Pastor? I got one more because there's three. I'm a preacher. Is He also wanted to turn the waiting room into a dressing room. Some brothers just checked out right there. They're like, I ain't going to no dressing room, bro. Call it a locker room. Call it what you want. But he wants, this is the significant thing about a dressing room. A dressing room, you walk in one way and you come out another. A locker room, you walk in in your street clothes and you come out in your uniform. I believe there's some people that this season is a locker room. It's a dressing room. It's a, it's a, a preparation room. It's where you're going to walk in one way, but you're going to come out with your armor on. You're going to come out with your, with your battle attire on. You're going to come out ready to go to war. You're going to come out ready to go to battle because God's doing something inside you. You see, Luke 24, verse 49. I want you to get this now. God wants to teach you. God wants to meet you. But God also wants to change you. Luke 24, 49 says this, Behold, Jesus speaking here, I send the promise of my Father, this is the resurrected Christ talking, upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, that same word adieu can be clothed, until you are clothed with power from on high. You see, I believe part of the reason of this season of waiting 
is because the waiting room needs to become a dressing room because he needs to change some of your wardrobe. You see, some of you need to take off that garment of heaviness and you need to put on a garment of praise. You see, some of you, you need to, you need to lay down that garment of entitlement. I don't deserve this. I'm better than this. I've been good. Like, no, no. And start putting on a garment of gratitude. God, I'm just thankful for another day. I'm thankful that you love me. I'm thankful that my, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. God, it doesn't matter if all the riches are gone. It doesn't matter if all of the houses are gone. It does, I just have you. I trust you. You're my provider. You're going to be the one for me. You're going to be the one that shelters me. You're going to be the one that clothes me. You're going to be the one that gives me food. You're going to be the one that gives me drink. You're taking care of me and my children and my family and my grandchildren and everybody I love and care about I trust you and I'm grateful for you see all oh, but some others some others I'm looking at you right now some others am I on that shot I'm on that shot just making sure look into these eyes some of you need to lay down a garment of religion and some of you spend so much time pointing at your brothers and sisters and throwing stones you got no time to point to Jesus some of you are judging everybody. They're too afraid. They're too afraid. No, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. If you will take care of you and your house and you will make much of Jesus, Jesus inspires courage by calling people out for fear. It will never change your heart. But by lifting up the Lamb of God and lifting up the line of the tribe of Judah, he's the one that deposits courage. Quit casting stones against people with fear and start throwing the gospel out there that will inspire courage and watch what God will begin to do in a nation. Some of you need to get rid of that anxiety and you need to put on trust. Some of you need to lay down fear, there's no doubt. And you need to take up a mantle of power to know and to internalize in your heart. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You say, Pastor, I hear that all the time. You need to hear it again today. He has not given you a spirit of fear. Because Jesus is with you. Being in Christ is greater than being in crisis. And he's with you every single step of the way. So they're waiting on this. He says, I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. Acts chapter 2 comes. And I love the way it words it in my Bible. It says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, And when the day, this is the day they were waiting for. This is the moment they were anticipating. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Listen to what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, verse 2 says, and suddenly. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, suddenly, fully, suddenly, fully, suddenly. I believe in this season, God is saying that you're fully is going to bring about his suddenly. I believe that when you get fully surrendered, you're going to see a suddenly breakthrough. I believe when you get fully committed, I believe you're going to see a suddenly healing. I believe when you get a, a, a fully devoted faith, 
You're going to see a, a suddenly liberation that begins to come to your family because this is what I believe. God is getting ready to make way for some suddenlies in the earth. I believe that finances are about to come in suddenly. I believe that healing is going to break out suddenly. I believe this virus is going to end suddenly. I believe that chains are going to fall suddenly. Go ahead. Get up in your house. Stand up on your feet. Begin to put your hands together. To begin to fully worship him because in your fully worshiping him, I believe Sundays are going to begin to break out right now. Go ahead. Praise break for just a moment. I'm preaching myself happy with about six of us in this room. And I'm telling you right now that our fully is positioning us for his suddenly. This dressing room is a place of transformation. And my prayer is that you don't leave this season the way you came into it, but that you leave it differently. See, what I believe is this. I believe God is about to give everybody an upgrade. And you say, oh man, that sounds way too good to be true. It doesn't come just by happenstance. It comes with intentionality. Let me ask you this question. I, I look around. I see my neighbors. I see people on social media. I drove by and saw Lowe's parking lot. There's people that are, in this time, the honeydew list is getting done. Just to be transparent with you, I'm ready to go back to work. Many of us are improving our homes. I look at your yards, many of you are improving your lawns. Many of us are improving and working on our hobbies and many of us are catching up on our favorite series on TV. What are you doing in this season to improve you? What are you doing? Because the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you and he wants to bring you in to being the person that he has called you to be and crafted you to be so that you can go into the earth and be an agent of transformation. So what does it take? What is, what is all, this, all this leading to? What are, you, what are you trying to get at? He wants to teach you something. He wants to meet with you because he loves you. And he wants to change you because he cares about your future and he cares about what he wants to do through your life. So how do we get there? Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You gotta change your thinking. You gotta be able to see through a sanctified imagination. Ask God to cleanse your mind, to let you begin to dream the dreams of heaven, to see the possibilities of heaven, to see what he wants to do in the earth. Because I can promise you this, church, God is not letting this whole situation happen for nothing. There is a purpose in our temporary pain, and God is going to bring it to fruition as we fully surrender to him, his process, and his possibilities. I'm going to ask you just to stand up in your home. You say, oh, man, I'm reclined. I'll give you a minute. I know some got electric recliners. I'm going to give a minute for you to get up. But I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. 
And I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands right there. And I'm going to ask you just to begin to worship right there where you stand. And first, I want to ask if there's anybody right now that you say, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I need to be saved. Just right now, call out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. That's all you got to say. Jesus, save me. He'll work everything else out. Say, Jesus, save me. It says, if you confess him before men, he'll confess you before the Father. Jesus, save me. Maybe there's others who say, I need to quit seeing through the lens of pessimism and depression and anxiety and fear. And I need to see through a sanctified imagination the possibilities of heaven that are surrounding me right where I am. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, right now, renew my mind. Let me see your possibilities so that I can be rooted in your purpose. Give me the faith to see. Give me the hope to believe. And give me the audacity to follow you and to do what I see. I love you and I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just called out on Jesus and you said, Jesus, save me, I want you to write in the comments right now, whether you're watching on Facebook or you're watching on YouTube, just please write down there, say, I confess Jesus. I confess Jesus. And if you would say that I'm one of the ones who said, God, give me a sanctified imagination. Write this, say, renew my mind. Renew my mind. Renew my mind. And just everybody else right now that you see people commenting, just begin to encourage them. Begin to pray for them. Begin to reach out to them and and let them know they're loved and they're valued and that God has a purpose and a plan for them. Church, I say this at the end of every week. And you say, Why is pastor doing that? Because I've got to keep the vision in front of you. I believe that coming out of this season is going to be the greatest harvest we have ever seen in any generation because I believe Jesus is coming soon and he is getting his church ready for a final harvest. I believe that with all my heart. I believe you play a significant role in this. Don't lose heart and don't lose your way. Lean in, trust in Jesus. If you need help, There's a pastoral care line that's going to come up on the screen right now. And if you'll see this number, just begin to call it or text it. And we have pastors who are standing by who love you and are going to pray with you and want to do anything we can to make sure that you're taken care of. If you just gave your life to Jesus, text that number so we can reach back out to you to let you know that we love you and that we're going to walk alongside you for this. Gateway, I love you. Extended family, those who are around the world watching us online today, we love you too. And we're praying for you. And we believe that we're going to come through this and we're going to be better. But in the meantime, go build a fort.